that's what we're about. Uh, and uh, last Sunday, as we were going into spring break, we had an opportunity to pray over a few teams that were going to use spring break as the as opportunity to go. Uh, and so we pray for our college students uh, from BSM, UTRGV, and around the state who were going to Beach Reach, uh, South Padre, to minister there. And we prayed for a team that uh, was going to Zacatecas and Guanajuato, which are central states uh, in Mexico. And uh, we prayed for a team that was going to be working with migrants uh, across the border in Reynosa, uh, at the migrant thing. And we started getting reports midweek. This, these are some pictures from the team that went to Zacatecas. You know, that's a place where, where the gospel really hasn't taken a hold as much as in other parts of Mexico. But here, our team, after uh, having conversations, was able to, to go into homes and, and able to uh, share in spite of opposition. They prayed for people. People uh, came to, to experience healing. And then some of them, in spite of, of what they call the circle or the belt of darkness, some of them decided to follow Jesus as Savior and Lord. And right there in this house, they had baptisms in the bathtub. Uh, they had five people who were baptized in that home. That was just on Wednesday. The team kept going uh, from there to Guanajuato. And then this morning they were heading back and, and we... we are hearing great stories and great reports from them. We also got a report from the student teams that were at Beach Reach at South Padre. And uh, here are some of, some of the numbers uh, that uh, are given. We, uh, they had 8,269 gospel conversations with spring breakers, um, 6,430 pancakes made and served. That's a lot of pancakes. Um, then you see 207 death to life stories. That means 207 people prayed to make Jesus Lord and Savior in their lives. Yeah. And 54 of them were baptized right there at the beach on Thursday. And God gets all the glory. Amen. These are good stories, good reports. And someone may ask, why? Why do we do that? Why do we send students to the beach and interrupt somebody's spring break with conversations about Jesus. Why, why do we go? Why do we make such a big deal of that? Well, you saw in our, in our bumper video, you saw our, our five G's, right? That based on the great commission and the great uh, commandment that we have a gospel message to share. And so we guide people to do three things, to gather, to grow, and to go. We say that if you wanna be a healthy disciple, if you want to be a healthy follower of Jesus, then you should be gathering regularly with other believers for worship like you're doing right now. You should grow in a, in a group, in a community, what we call them grow groups, and then you should go. Every believer, every member of Calvary is encouraged to gather, to grow, and to go. And so we're gonna, we've been talking about gathering for a few Sundays. We talked about growing for a few Sundays. Today and the next... Next couple of Sundays, we're going to be talking about go. And so I'd like to invite you to go with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 21. As you do that, I hope you have one of these handouts that you can follow the, uh, the, the message with, taking notes, making commitments, and then having questions for afterwards. But John 20, 21 is our text this morning, and it reads like this. 
Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. This is Jesus's first appearance to his disciples after his resurrection. They have been hiding in fear. And the first thing that Jesus does when he shows up is he sends them. That, that's pretty incredible. That's the first thing Jesus does to this group of disciples that is hiding because they're a little confused about what has happened. And the first thing that he does is he sends them. And so from this text, I think we can draw three reasons why we go, three reasons why disciples go, three reasons why healthy followers of Jesus go. And the first one is passion. The passion that led God to send Jesus. Passion compels us to go. It's a strong emotion. Passion in its purest form is birth out of love. And it often implies pain. Passion often implies pain. Sometimes it hurts to love people because they don't love us back. Sometimes it hurts to love people because we feel their pain. We feel their suffering. And, and so passion is love that carries sometimes pain. And the, and the passion that compels us to go is God's passion. We go because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's what we're thinking about. We go because God has given us his most precious gift, his own son, Jesus Christ. Sunday evening, the disciples were hiding behind closed doors. They were confused and bewildered about the events that had taken place the, the couple of days before. Their Messiah, their rabbi, their master had ended up being tortured by religious leaders. He was crucified. He died. And then he was buried. They had no idea, no concept that this is the way their journey was going to end. And to top things off on Sunday morning, on the first day of the week, the tomb is empty. Who could have stolen the body of Jesus? These women are saying some stories about angels and about Jesus rising from the dead. Can, can these women even be trusted? Are, 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 they, are they losing it? Are they going crazy? So the disciples hide, confused, trying to process, trying to unpack, trying to sort out what has happened. And Jesus appears to them unannounced and he says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Two short sentences packed with power, two short sentences that would, that would uh, resound and resonate in their hearts for a long time. As the Father has sent me, above all, God sent Jesus out of love. When he saw the brokenness of the world, it broke his heart. When he saw that humanity hated him, hated their own creator and hated each other, God chose to love, to love humanity who, who had given their back to God. I, uh, I've been reading in my devotion through the Old Testament and I came to, to this really peculiar uh, prophetic book you might be familiar with. It's the book of Hosea. Hosea is a really kind of peculiar book because God tells Hosea to go and marry a promiscuous woman, a woman who is sexually promiscuous. And Hosea obeys God and 
marries her and she's unfaithful to him. And over and over again, Hosea receives her and forgives her and she's unfaithful again and again. It's a painful story. It's awkward to read that. But God says it is an object lesson. God is the husband and Israel has been that unfaithful wife. The people of God, the people he created, the people he loved, the people he chose have been unfaithful. And God is the kind of God that forgives, that searches, that goes for those that have given their back to him. That's the kind of love for God so, so loved the world. It means he loved us when we were still enemies. It means he loved us when we were still unfaithful. It means he loves us when we were in our sin. He didn't love us because we deserve to be loved. He loved us because he chose to love us, because he is love. He loved us unconditionally. That's how God's heart has broken for lost humanity. It is what someone has called a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever kind of love. Aren't you glad God loved you that way? Why? Why do we go? Because God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ. Because God came to us in the person of Jesus. We are sent because God sent his son. As the Father has sent me. I love what Leonard Sweet said once. He said, God is a God of motion, of movement, and of mission. Mission is not an activity of the church. It is an attribute of God. God is a missionary God. Jesus is a missionary Messiah. And the Spirit is a missionary spirit. Missions is the family business. God sent himself, and so we go because we are sent. Have you experienced this love? Do you know this love? Do you know that this love is for you? And do you know that it's not just for you? Do you know that it's for everyone? For God so loved the world, the world, it doesn't mean for God so loved good people, It doesn't mean for God so loved people that go to church. It doesn't mean God so loved the people of your own ethnicity. It doesn't mean God so loved the people that agree with you politically. It doesn't mean God loves the people from your own denomination. It doesn't mean God just loved the people who are morally good. For God so loved the world means everyone. Even people you don't want to love. Even people you have a hard time accepting, God so loved them that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, for them. I have the opportunity to officiate weddings and talk to couples often, and this is springtime, is a time of weddings, so I've been doing several weddings, and, and one of the things I like to do when couples come to me and ask, them to, ask me to officiate their wedding is, I wanna hear their story. And I said, tell me your story. How, What's your journey with God? And, and so I get to hear their stories and, and sometimes I'm able to tell that they have a clear uh, relationship with Christ. And sometimes I, I sense that, you know, they, they have respect for God and, 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 and they have respect for the Bible, but they really don't know Christ personally. So recently I talked to a couple and I asked the, the bride-to-be, I said, tell me your story. And she told me when she trusted Christ and, 
and how she's following him and, and how she wants to start a Christian marriage. And, and I said, that's great. Then I asked him and then I could tell that he was kind of stumbling. He said, well, you know, my parents taught me, took me to church and he gave me his religious background and all, but I could tell he had not personally met Christ. And so I said, I, I told him about God's love. I told him what Christ did for him. I told him how, how we need to receive that by faith. It, it is a commitment that we make. And I said, have you ever done that? He goes, well, I haven't yet. And I said, well, would you like to do it? He goes, yeah, I would like to do it, but I just haven't had, found the right opportunity to do it. And I said, well, how about right now? He said, okay. I said, would you like to right now pray right here in my office to trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord? He said, yeah, I would like that very much. So I helped him. I, I prayed with him and, and he asked Jesus to be his Savior and Lord. We opened our eyes and there were tears rolling down his cheeks. And I said, now you can start a Christian marriage because both of you know Jesus now. For God so loved the world. God loved every individual as the Father has sent me. Disciples go because of the passion that led Jesus to send his son. Disciples go because of the peace that Christ brings. Christ reconciles sinners. Peace. How we've heard that word lately, haven't we? How we long for peace. This past week, President Zelensky from Ukraine was addressing the U.S. Congress. And, and one of the phrases that has gone viral over social media is when he said, being the leader of the world means being the leader of peace. And it just speaks to the, to the longing that the world has for peace that seems so elusive. Everywhere we turn, there seems to be conflict. We, we look south and the cartels are wreaking violence in, in, in northern Mexico. We, we look across the ocean and there's an invasion of a free country. We, we, we look in our inner cities and law enforcement and criminals are, are clashing. We, we look everywhere and there's conflict after conflict after conflict and we long for peace, don't we? And it's not new to our generation. The generations that live through World War II and the First World War, and the Civil War, and the Revolutionary War, and every war that there has ever been, people have longed for peace. You can go back all the way to the very first family in human history. Do you know the very first worship service started with a murder, a brother killing his own brother? We've been longing for peace for a long time. And it's no different for these disciples who are gathered here on this occasion. They're experiencing fear and brokenness. There's grief at the loss of their master. There's uncertainty. The one thing they are not experiencing is peace. And Jesus steps into their darkness and he says, peace be with you. What a contrast. What a counterintuitive moment. To have, they just have gone through. Peace be with you. Now to be sure, peace be with you uh, comes from a common Jewish greeting. You know, we say hello, Jews say shalom. Shalom is peace. It's wholeness. It's, it's a kind of complete peace that comes from being whole. And that's what Jesus came to bring. 
Jesus came to bring shalom. He came to bring wholeness. Peace be with you. The Apostle Paul unpacks what this peace means for us here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. we, We see kind of an exposition of the work that Jesus did in regard to peace and reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ came to bring peace. He came to reconcile sinners who were alienated from God. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone comes to Christ, he is a new creation. She is a new creation. Christ, the one who had no sin, became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. What an incredible thing that is. Peace comes when we are reconciled to God in Christ. The worst condition in the world, the worst human condition in the world, is to be separated from God. The worst eternity that anyone can spend is an eternity separated from God. And it is the reconciliation, the peace that Christ came to bring that reconciles us back to God. The world will never know true peace. We can pray for peace and we should pray for peace. But the world will never know long, complete and lasting peace until Jesus is king. The world will never know true peace until people are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. It begins with people who are alienated from God. All of our hate, all of our conflict, all all of the evil in the world comes from a heart that is far from God. That's why Jesus comes in the scene and he says, peace be with you. Shalom. Reconciliation with the Father through what I did on the cross. One of the things that has happened through the pandemic and as we're coming out of the pandemic, at at least we thought we were coming out of pandemic. I don't know if we are or not, but one of the things that happened is, is, is the cases of mental health have increased. Christian counselors that I talk to in the Valley and in our church have waiting lists. I I talked to one of the counselors uh, in our church and uh, who has his own practice and, and he told me, Pastor, I'm, I'm seeing 50 clients a week and I still have people wanting to get in. People are hurting. And as, as a trained therapist, he tells me, 
you know, I, I, I know that the tools of the trade, I know how to walk with people and help them process. He goes, but, but it's evident to me that, that the greatest need that people have is a spiritual need. Because people come into my office and it's evident that what they're looking for is God. Now, I believe that clinical therapy is important and is necessary. That God uses, just like God uses doctors to administer healing, God uses counselors to bring about mental health. But I also believe that the deepest kind of mental health, the deepest kind of healing begins when one person is reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That's where shalom begins. There may be other things that need to be worked out after that, but it's got to begin at the core of the one who said, peace be with you. Why do we go? Why do we share the message of Christ? Why do we share the love of God in word and deed? Because Christ came to bring peace. Because Christ reconciles sinners. Octavio Cruz was, was playing uh, the cello over here earlier. He uh, met someone at the UTRGV campus whose name was Julio. He must have been a really cool guy because that's a really cool name. And uh, as they were talking, Julio told Octavio, I'm an agnostic. Agnostic means that I don't really know if there's a God. But he was open to conversations and he began to talk to Octavio and Ronald and they began to meet and they, he agreed to, to read the gospel with them and to have conversations and to ask questions. And they didn't judge him, they weren't pushy. They just had conversations with him. And a couple of weeks ago, he said, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And you see Octavio and Ronald, who are sitting right here, you see them baptizing Julio at the dorms at UTRGV. Why do we go? We go because Christ brings shalom. Because Christ brings agnostics to know the love of God in the first person. Disciples go because of that peace. But disciples also go because of the power. The power that Christ gives us when he sends us. Some of us wonder, but who am I to tell somebody else about Jesus? What authority do I have to, to, to have a conversation with someone about truth and about God? I'm not a theologian. I didn't go to seminary. I'm not a pastor. Isn't faith a personal thing? Why, how, how do I dare go and share the gospel? Perhaps that's what the disciples might have felt on that evening after Jesus' crucifixion and death, they were powerless. They were feeling cowardly. They felt inadequate. They were intimidated by both the, the Roman authorities and the religious leaders of the day. And it is in the midst of that that Jesus speaks to them. He says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I am sending you. Christ tells his disciples that he's sending them in the same power, in the same authority as the Father sent him. And that's mind blowing. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And it applies to the disciples and it applies to every believer today. 
The same power that, that made Jesus leave his throne in heaven and come to a broken planet as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. The same power that accomplished the miracle of an invisible, almighty, eternal God becoming flesh in the form of a baby in a manger as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. The same power that led Jesus to be fully human and yet without sin as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. The same power that healed the sick, that cast out the demons, that fed the hungry, that calmed the storm as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. The same power that led someone to pour out his life completely on the cross in order to save a sinful humanity, conquering over sin until he could say, it is finished as the Father has sent me. So I'm sending you the same power that raised Jesus from the dead so that he could conquer over death, so that he could reign forever as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you the same power that took a group of cowardly disciples who were hiding in a dark room and took them to a public place and they began to speak languages that they had never spoken and the Holy Spirit showed up and they proclaimed the gospel in front of hostile authorities with courage and boldness as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. When we share the gospel with someone, we don't do it in our own authority. We don't do it in our own power. When we share the love of Christ with someone, we don't do it because we're qualified. We do it because as the Father sent Jesus, he sends us. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Ambassadors are representatives. They, they usually are sent by a country, by a king, by a president. And their job is to make sure that their country stays friends with the other country. We are ambassadors of Christ. We represent him. Each believer, each person that has made Jesus Lord and Savior has been commissioned by Christ to be an agent of reconciliation. God sent Jesus. Jesus brings peace. And then he sends us to represent him. We are representatives of the kingdom of God, rescuing those that have been enslaved and are prisoners of the kingdom of darkness. We go in the power and authority of Jesus. When Jesus gives the great commission, he starts by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, because of my authority, because of my power, go and make disciples of all nations. And then the Great Commission ends with this phrase, this promise, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Isn't that great? Not only does Christ give us the power and authority to go, but he gives us, he gives us the power of his presence. When we go, we don't go alone. I am with you until the very end. When, in John 20, 21, when he says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you, the next verse says that he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. It is in the power of the Holy Spirit that we are sent out. Why do we go? Because God has given us the power and authority to go. It's his authority. He is Lord. He is King. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Some people don't know it yet, 
but we do. We know. And we can live in that power and authority. Why do we go? Why do we cross oceans to tell people about Jesus? Why do we go to South Padre? Why do we send people into the interior of Mexico? Why do we cross the street to talk to our neighbor, to, to, to bring cookies, to bring a dish, to offer our help? Why do we talk to our classmate and to our workmate? Why do we offer to pray for people when they're going through hard times? We do it because of the passion of God that led him to send Jesus. We do it because of the peace that Christ brings to reconcile sinners. We do it because of the power and authority that is ours because Christ has sent us. And it doesn't have to be intimidating. It doesn't have to be burdensome. This is not about a guilt trip. This is about an opportunity. We are all sent, all of us here that know Jesus, we're all sent, but we're sent in different ways. Each of us has a, has a different harvest field. We'll talk about that more later. But some of us, our field may be another country. Some of us, our field may just be our neighborhood, maybe our workplace. And the way we share is different. Each one of us is, is different and, and God will use us in the way we are made. We don't have to be like someone else. We don't have to try and imitate someone else. I had a, a college student come to me a few weeks ago and he said, Pastor, I, I've been praying because I, I want to share uh, my faith with others on the college campus and, and I just have this anxiety and, and I get nervous. And, and he says, and so I've been praying about uh, God giving me an opportunity. And I was sitting at the coffee shop and, and I was praying for God to give me an opportunity to share my faith. And, uh, and then I got really scared. And, and so I said, okay, God, if that guy over there begins to walk in my direction, I'll talk to him. And, uh, and the guy started walking in his direction. He started like, oh man, now I had to talk to him. And, and the guy came up and they engaged in conversation. And as they were talking, he discovered that he was already a believer. He was already a follower of Jesus. And so he said, that was easy. He said, but pastor, I'm about, I'm about to go to Beach Reach and I, I want you to pray for me because I want to share my faith with those that don't know Jesus. I'll pray for you. I signed the form where he was getting prayer uh, partners and, and then on Wednesday or Thursday, he messaged me, he said, pastor, thank you for praying for me. I have led four people to trust Christ as Jesus, as, as Savior and Lord. I said, you know, that's what it's all about. It, it, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be intimidating. You just have to be faithful, available, ready, willing, praying. In the next couple of Sundays, we're going to talk about the what of go and the, the how of go. We'll, we'll give you tools. We'll, there'll be an evangelism conference this weekend, Friday and Saturday, that you may want to come and learn more about how to do this. But for today... I hope that you know why we go. And I hope you're ready to make yourself available. I hope you're ready to at least say, okay, I'm gonna pray for people around me who I know are far away from God. So I wanna invite you to take your, your note card um, and, and look at the options that are given there. If you don't have one, you can still make a commitment. But the first suggestion that I'm making to you as a response to today's message is to pray for five people who are far away from God from now until Easter Sunday. Maybe that's what God wants you to do today. And you can write their, 
names there. There are five places and you can do that right now. I'm gonna pray for five people. Or maybe you can go home and think about who those five people are. Uh, the other suggestion I give you there is to, to share the gospel with someone this week or this season opens up this Lenten season, this Holy Week season, opens up for conversations. The other suggestion is to invite people to your grow group, to invite people to Easter Sunday. Maybe you can be begin to think about the neighbors or the relatives that you want to bring with you on Easter Sunday. People are open to those kind of invitations. And then lastly, do an act of service for someone. Maybe it's baking cookies, maybe it's helping someone out. Uh, but do an act of service for someone that will open up a conversation. You may want to mark one of those or a different one or all of them, but I want to encourage you to do that. Would you bow your head with me as you're thinking about your commitment today, as you're thinking about your response to the message of why we go? Maybe your commitment today is about trusting Christ as Savior. Lord, maybe you've never made that commitment yourself. Before you can share that with someone else, you have to experience it. So maybe today's the day that you pray that prayer to trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord to, to receive the gift that he gives you of eternal life because he died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the dead to give you a new life. You can pray that prayer right now. Today can be the day that, that you go from death to life. Father, thank you for, for Jesus who rose from the dead and who says to us, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Help us to understand what that means and, and to apply it to our lives, Lord. If there's a commitment that we need to make there on our message notes or elsewhere, whatever that is, help us to do that right now to pray for people who are far away from God, to share in word or deed the love of Christ, to invite people to join our community, our grow group, our Easter Sunday services. We know you're already working in hearts that you want to reconcile to yourself. We just want to be your instruments. We know we're not in charge. We know it's not up to us, it's up to you, but we want to be used by you. And if there's someone here today that, Father, you're bringing into the fold, help them to take that step of faith, to surrender to Jesus as Lord right now. For those that want to take the step of believer's baptism, we're joining a grow group, we're joining this congregation. You lead them, help them, give them the faith to be obedient. As you continue to think about your commitment, maybe marking your card, I wanna invite you during this song to come and, and kneel at the front, maybe there's a prayer need. We're in 40 days of prayer, praying for for God to be known among the nations. You come and, and you kneel or, or you make your commitment there where you are. There'll be music, there'll be singing, but it is a time of response. Maybe a time where you bring your offering to the offering boxes. 
Let's respond. Let's stand together.